Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Thanks so much for joining us. But the star of the show, as always, is lead columnist Greg Doyle. What's up, man? How are you today? Uh, I'm good. We're going to start this with a little lecture. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, for fans of both schools. And first, the obligatory. I'm not talking about everybody. Um, I'm not even talking about more than half. Okay. So if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, is he talking about me? Odds are good I'm not. However, there's a bunch of you out there on both sides of the Purdue-IU rivalry. For the last decade or so, we all know IU has been down. And and for the last decade, Purdue has been sailing high. And up until the last, even now, you got IU fans being irritating. Even now, we're big brother. We've got five rings or however many we've got. You've got none. There aren't many of them, but they're out there. And that's really irritating because you're down. Shut your mouth. Purdue fans, you're finally riding high. You've been waiting for this moment for decades where you can have like a solid 10-year run where there's no question who's big brother right now. And this is how some of you are going to act? With IU down in their dumps, you're going to come on my Twitter feed and waste my time telling me how pointless this is or that is and how down IU is and they've got no shot at this coach and that coach. Like, win with class and lose with grace. And if you can't do either, shut your goddamn mouth. But don't come on my Twitter feed and make my life miserable. Shut the hell up. But that's okay, the rivalry. Done. But that's the rivalry, though, right? No, 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 no. You can do things with class, with grace, with cleverness. <laughs> like, you know, Duke fans, as big a jerks as they can be, at times they're real clever with what they chant. At times they go too far. But you can be clever and hate the other team. But if your only our ammunition is, we're better than you, ha, 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 or... We used to be better than you for 50 years. We got the rings to prove it. Ha, ha, ha. Not original. Not entertaining to anybody but you and your bros. And really the sign, sign of a low intelligence. And that's fine if you're not smart. But don't come to my Twitter feed and show me. Because you're getting blocked. Not blocked. I'm sorry. Muted. And you have no idea who you are. But I'm not even hearing most of you anymore. Is I've muted so many people. And every day I'm like, there's 10 more. Like, haven't I muted you all already? I'm, I'm talking about just the whole world. Like, I, I mute 10 people a day. And there's still 10 more. It's like cockroaches. Where are you people? And now, again, now I'm not talking about fans of any one school. I'm just talking about the kind of idiots that you don't want to hear. And, Derek, I know you've muted people, too. The kind of people you just don't want to hear. Where are you all coming from? Get the hell out of my Twitter feed. Anyway, go ahead. I, I mute, but I don't block because I've no, always felt right, like right. if you block somebody, you're giving them what they want. You know what I mean? Like, so that that's kind of my rule. Um, I don't want to give people like that what they want, but you seem to deal with it more than I do. I'll give it to you from two perspectives here. One, if I'm a Purdue fan, why in the world am I concerned about what Indiana's doing right now? You know, I've won, I've won nine straight. My team's won nine straight in the series, and they're on this unbelievable run here with Matt Painter, and it looks like they're going to be a Final Four national championship contender not only um, next year, but if things break the right way, certainly could get to the Final Four this year. I'm not focused on what a 12 and 15 team is doing. And from the Indiana perspective, you've got a lot of, and this is coming from an IU grad, um, you've got a lot of balls saying anything about five banners and stuff that happened from 1987 or really 1993 outside of a, a fluke run in 02, which I was on campus for. Outside of a fluke run in 02, 1993 was really Indiana's last relevant team that made a deep run and was a true contender. Um, that's a long, long time ago. So I don't know. I, I would be kind of um, licking my wounds a little bit and not showing my feathers, if you will, like some IU fans want to do about five banners and everything like that. Who cares? It's, you know, ancient history. Yeah, the, the ones that are the main ones, the ones that are the main, the loudest about the five banners and, and on both sides, 
we're talking about young folks. Um, yeah, the occasional no, right. young folks. And, and, but then it's the older ones that are really stupid. And, you know, you said you don't block people. And for the most part, I don't. But here in the last maybe two months, um, I've started doing it. And I got very loose criteria. I don't have an exact number, but I, I kind of go by feel. Like, I, I, like some coaches substitute by feel. I block by feel. And my feel is I look at you like if you say, I mean, you got to say something bad. OK, I mean, you got to really say something just you're not improving anybody's life with that tweet. Um, you're hurting somebody. Probably I'm going to look at you and two things. If you're not following me, what do I care? But if you're not following me and you have less than 50 followers, in other words, you're just a troll. No one's listening to you. You're just out there standing on the corner spewing toxic gas, hoping somebody notices. I'm not going to notice, and I and I and you can be proud that I blocked you. I'm guessing I'm going to be one of a list of about a thousand. And at some point, it's going to dawn on you that the world doesn't like people like you, even though you're anonymous, hiding behind an egg on Twitter. You know who you are in the real world. You look in the mirror and you know, yeah, I'm that egg. People don't like you, egg. You're a bad egg. <laughs> uh, Indiana, <laughs> let's start with them because uh, we've kind of talked about Purdue. I, I, I do want to get to Purdue. Um, who, of course, plays in actual games that count and still has a season to talk about, so we'll do that. But this Indiana coaching search, um, you know, first off, with with Archie Miller, to me, Greg, it was a a fait accompli. I mean, this was... There were some people that seemed to say, well, Indiana's got a decision to make, and I'm thinking to myself, well, there is is no decision to make. There's only one decision here. 12 and 15 is not survivable, and Indiana's not worried about that buyout. They'll find somebody, and then, of course, as you mentioned, because you asked Scott Dolson about it, it took two phone calls to cover the buyout and then whatever's going to happen next for Indiana. But this coaching search and going through candidates, I, I think what people are having trouble understanding is that, look, I'm, I'm not sitting here and saying that Brad Stevens is a, a, even a realistic candidate, but you have to make that phone call if you're Indiana. That's all. You know, maybe why this is why I'm so um, irritated right now is that I'm spending my time on Twitter. And you go look at my feed and go look at like who I'm responding to and what I'm saying. I've got so many people, and listen, I appreciate the retweets. Like I retweeted today, this Wednesday. I use coaching searches as easy as one, two, three, Stevens, Bennett, Beeline. And I got everybody's retweeting that and mocking it. Like, I, oh, you fans are delusional. And two of these three are never going to say yes, and blah, 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 blah. And I show me where I said they said yes. And if I'm putting three names, obviously two of them aren't going to say yes. Guess which one's going to say yes? Number three, you jackasses. So. I don't, I don't understand, like, what, what are, where are people in the spectrum of, of things where they can't understand that if you're IU and, you, and you're Scott Dolson and you're thinking to yourself, I got one shot at this because if I fail it, I might not survive. But if I do it right, I'm not going to hire another coach for 20 years. I got one shot. If you have one shot and you don't at least call Brad Stevens and just ask, hey, Brad, just, you know, what, just what the hell? Are you interested? If you don't make that phone call, that's malpractice. You have to make the call. And therefore, I've got a right that you're going to make the call. No one said he's going to say yes. Am I screaming? No one said he's going to say yes. What we said is you have to call. And then you have to call Tony Bennett. And then when they both say no, number three is John Beeline, and he's your coach. And that's how it's going to go. Beeline's age, though, doesn't that give you some pause? I'm just saying, how long possibly could John Beeline remain a head coach? Five years? Five years. That's all you need. All you, listen, you look look at Beeline. That's a guy when some people party, like look at Musselman, who I like Musselman. And if they hire Musselman eventually, he can't be your third call. But if you hire Musselman from Arkansas, you're going to be fine. I think he's pretty good. But if Musselman's going to go out and have a, celebrate a Final Four, he's going to chug whiskey and beer. 
Okay, he's getting sick over the commode. Look at him. He lives. Look at John Beeline. That guy has a sip of wine at night. You don't think he can coach until he's 73? He's a, he's a law professor on, on the sideline. His blood pressure is 43. He can eat your heart with a Chianti and not register a BPM above 48. <laughs> He'd have to really, really want to get back into coach, which maybe he does. Uh, if, I, if I were him, if, if I was nearing 70, I'd just be like, look, I, I did everything that I was going to do. I'm good with it. I'm just going to take this cushy Big Ten Network gig and just kind of sail off into the sunset. It, I'm just telling you what I would do. I'm not saying he's going to do that. To me, he's on the Big Ten Network to make sure people don't forget that I am a college coach and I am unemployed and I'm here. Like he, he wants no doubt. He wants let there be no doubt that I, want I, I do wonder. This. That Cavs thing was such a disaster that I do wonder if he doesn't want to leave that sour taste in everyone's mouths. The uh, guy has was, never been an assistant coach. Yeah. Sorry, he's never been an assistant coach. He was a head coach out of college at a JUCO. Has never been an assistant. Has won everywhere. I mean, he wins everywhere. Big. He wins big everywhere. He goes to Cleveland and falls in his face and, you know, gets fired after some ugly whatever. You know, there's that whole he made some comment about something and I, I forget, but it was racially charged in some shape and I've forgotten it. I'm not saying it was no big deal. I'm just saying I don't remember it. But it wasn't so bad that I say you can't hire him. It was anyway. The point is, it was insensitive, whatever. He wants to win. He wants to go out a winner. The best job he's ever going to get in the next year or two before he is too old, just opened up. They're going to call him third. He's going to say yes. All, all the thing left is to tell him when the press conference is because I know how this is going down. He said something about a bunch of playing like a bunch of thugs, I think is what it was. And okay. which, of course, thugs has become like coded language. Um, I, I, when I read your article, I would have actually flipped out one of your names. I would. Brad Stevens is my first call. And, and you make Brad Stevens say no, which – Probably Brad Stevens is going to say no, but you have to make that call. I'm cool with Beeline, too, of being one of those calls. Um, I would flip your second choice, Tony Bennett, for Chris Beard. Because I think Beard is a lot more realistic. I think Tony Bennett would be absolutely insane to leave what he's built at Virginia to take the Indiana job. Whereas I think Beard is in a place, Lubbock, Texas, where Indiana is still a clear upgrade. Like, you even mentioned Musselman. Uh, I, this is no knock on Indiana. Is Arkansas a worse job than Indiana right now? I don't think Arkansas so. Arkansas is a basketball Arkansas school. Arkansas is a really good job. Now, Arkansas you, you is a might, basketball school. You might be frustrated with the fact that you'll always be second place to football because it's the SEC, and the, the only school that truly is like that is Kentucky or, or and maybe Vanderbilt, even though Vanderbilt doesn't care about sports at all. Um, but, I, you know, that's what I think, Greg, the frustration you, – you mentioned the frustration on Twitter. What, what frustrates me is that I don't think people realize in 2021 that guys don't need to leave – comfortable, happy situations because everyone's on TV. Everyone can contend. Everyone makes money. Everyone can recruit to wherever they are. The world is a much, is a much smaller place than it was in 1988. I want to go back to when LeBron James was was uh, about to leave Miami or maybe going to leave Miami, and those idiots down in Miami, never, no way is he leaving. He's not, he's not going to Cleveland. It's a medium size. It's a mid-market, whatever. And I, on Twitter then, they were idiots then. There will always be idiots. And, and, and a lot of times, I'm going to be the idiot. I get it. I, I, I'm a jackass on Twitter sometimes, too. Um, but the point about all this is that wherever LeBron goes, he is a major market. And that's almost kind of what you're saying also, is now pretty much everywhere is a major market. Because you don't have to be in New York City to be on ESPN. There's a million networks, and they're, they're putting everybody on. Now, you talk about Beard. Listen, I, I can't see the future, okay? So I don't know what Beard's going to be like over the next 20 years if and when he leaves Texas Tech. But I, I see a lot of similarities between him and Billy Gillespie. 
um, at least the start, right? The start. He has found a place that works. He is a Texas guy. He is home. He knows all the coaches, the high school coaches. He knows how to recruit, knows what he's looking for, knows how to coach, gets left the hell alone, off the radar, wins big. All of that is Billy Gillespie. Now, I'm not saying everybody from Texas who wins big at a midsize major school is going to then, you know, bomb like Gillespie did. But I just, you know, like Mark Few at Gonzaga, I'm sure he'd work anywhere. But Mark Few found a spot that works for him. Okay, that that's magic for him. That's lightning in a bottle, and probably it works anywhere, but we'll never find out. I just don't know about Beard. I don't know about Musselman wins in Nevada, goes to Arkansas, wins right away. Him, I know. Nate Oates, who I don't really like very much so far, but if he gets the job here, I'll get to know him better. I'll, maybe I will. He wins at Buffalo, goes to Alabama, and wins big there fast. Him, I know. Beard has been great at one school. I'm not sure about. And then furthermore, if he wasn't a Bob Knight protege, is he really a guy you're naming? Is he even on your radar? That That's what pisses me off is that the only guy we're going to consider who's really not – not an IU guy is, is Beard. Why? Because he worked with Bob Knight somewhere. Bob Knight ain't coming through that door again, people. He's gone. Still, he tore your program down once. Don't give him another shot. He's still on your radar, Greg, because he what he's done at Texas Tech is ridiculous. So, you know, to me, Beard, yes, of course he has the tie tonight, but I think he would have been on their radar regards. Let, let's segue into that, what you're talking about, because one of your other columns was about not hiring an Indiana guy, which Indiana has never done. And I'll be honest with you, four years ago, mostly because I'm I'm very anti-Steve Alford. Like, I think Alford is exactly who he is. Uh, they ran out a guy in Tom Crean who was on the same tier as Alford. You know, pretty good coach. He's done pretty well. But I think Steve Alford is perfect where he's at, and that's Nevada. And he was great at New Mexico. And I think that's the level where he belongs. Um, I would rather take a chance on somebody that I don't know what their level is. But this time around, I'll be honest with you, I, I am I'm more open to hiring somebody with a tie to the program just because Indiana's never really done that and they keep striking out. See, that there's people are saying that. And and I'm arguing with people who are saying that. And I'm arguing with people, local radio people, who may have coached once upon a time at IU who are saying that. And I'm arguing with them. And I'm telling them all the same thing. You don't need a you don't need an, an alum to win at IU. I don't care how it looks. I don't care that well they've tried four they've tried four times. There are a million possible coaches. They made four hires that have worked or not worked to varying degrees. Duke football was a place you went to get fired until they got the right guy, Steve Spurrier. Nebraska football is the closest thing football has to IU basketball. It's a it's a one sport state and a one you know it, that's it, and that's a place you go to get fired now. Even the alum Scott Frost. It's just it's not a matter of do we know the secret sauce of Indiana? No. Did we hire the, a good enough coach? Randy Whitman's not good enough. At least there's nothing on his record that says he is. All the IU guys have been fired somewhere else or Dane Fife haven't been fired somewhere else. I love Dane. You know Dane. I mean, he, he texts me every now and then. I haven't heard from him since I've been writing this week. <laughs> He's probably not very happy with what I've been writing, but I love Dane Fife. You don't give this job to Dane Fife. Not with that resume. I'm sorry you don't do it. You can give it to him if nine guys say no, but he's your 10th phone call. And well, nine guys, tell nine me guys which might say you no. guys worth hiring. I'll listen, but there aren't any. It's not It's not a great list because really you've got, it's like Alford, Fife, Cheney, I guess, um, and then NBA guys in, in Whitman and, and Woodson who have been all pro guys during their entire career and haven't coached in a while. I mean, Whitman hasn't coached, I think, in like five years. And have been um, fired multiple times as head coaches, been, multiple. Yes. 
and have been fired multiple times. But that happens in the NBA. So I'll Guess give them a wants, bit of a break for that. Yeah, but they were fired multiple times without ever winning much of anything. Guess it's not like, well, yeah, but they won three titles. But no, no, they didn't do anything. Guess who wants this job real bad? Speaking well, besides of, besides Beeline, because you seem to be all in on that. Speaking of failures, out, former IU players, failures. Guess who wants this job so bad he's letting everybody know? Tell me. Zeke. Oh, no. He thinks he's got that's, a chance. That's not a name that I would have. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas thinks he has a chance. What, where is he right now? Do you Thinking know? he has a chance. <laughs> like, what's he doing? I know he was doing like NBA TV for a while and, and all that, but like, he's some, is he back in Chicago? Like, where, where is Isaiah? He's right living now? in Cluelessville, USA, zip code zero. <laughs> thinking he has a chance because he's Isaiah Thomas and he's got a cute face and no one's ever told him, Isaiah, you're not good at anything. You can bet you can play basketball and you're charming as it can be. But if we put you in charge of anything, that thing goes down. I don't care if it's an entire basketball league, the New York Knicks. I don't care what it is. If you're in charge, it's going down. So you're not going to be in charge of IU, Isaiah, but we'd like to take your money. If you'd write a check, we'd cash it. I will say this, uh, and you're much more tapped in than I am when it comes to all of this stuff, but I do wonder if Dolson, who was around the last hire, will um, will not make I, – I think what – Fred Glass, I think, made a mistake, Greg, in, and look, he's the athletic director. It's his call. I get it. But to – and I'm only – I only heard it from one side, but during that last process, it seemed that Fred Glass was completely shut off to any input from former players about who to pick, and I, and I think a lot of that had to do with – Fred Glass being completely uninterested in hiring Alford, who supposedly he never seriously pursued. But I do wonder if Dolson will at least like not call Isaiah Thomas to say, hey, do you want to be head coach? But call Isaiah Thomas to say, hey, who do you think should be head coach or reach out and, and kind of bring back? Because that's that's something that still feels fractured to me. We talk about how Indiana isn't what they used to be. I, th- I think part of that fracture is they still haven't even fully kind of healed that relationship with the the past Bob Knight era and some of those players who either haven't been back or have been back sporadically and don't feel like they're fully embraced by the program anymore. Well, listen, and you know this, Scott Dolson on, on IU's last national championship, 87, he was the head manager. He's not just an IU grad. He was a manager for Bob Knight. He knows all those people. I mean, if you're a living IU alum with connection to Bob Knight, Scott Dolson knows your name on site and you know him and you shake it. I am positive he's talking to folks like that. I'm positive he is. If for, I mean, if for no other reason than just to do what you're saying, just the, the appearance of lip service, the appearance of we're all inclusive and I'm not going to be Fred Glass and shut you all out. I care. And he probably does care. But he's also, and Fred's a political animal. You know, Fred in another life could have been governor of the state and, and might still run someday. Um, he's a political animal. But I think Scott Dolson strikes me as a, and I don't know Scott this well, but he just strikes me as a guy that, that while Fred's political, he's also like, I'm doing it my way, the hell with you. Scott's going to do it my way, the hell with you, but I'm not going to let you know the hell with you. I'm going to shake your hand and kiss your babies enough to be that kind of political animal. So anyway, I think I, they're going to be included. They're going to be included, and then he's going to hire John Beeline. Like, what else do you want to know? <laughs> what else do you want to know? I'm, I'm really, I'm truly fascinated to see what they do because – I'm sure people keep asking you, people keep asking me, hey, what's Indiana going to do? And like, I have I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, and I have no idea who's going to be interested and who's not. I, I do think that the job has lost a lot of prestige in the last 20 years, but I don't think that, I still think it's a top 20-ish job. 
um, yeah. all things considered. One one reason why I'm higher on Beeline, and listen, I don't. John Beeline is he's not really a people person. Um, talk. He's old school. Play, yeah. Huh? He's old school. He's old school, right? Definitely old school. He's he's distant. You know, like a lot of coaches are hug and high five, and I'm sure he's trying to get that way and tried to be that way in Michigan. But he he's distant. He's he's a as I say, he's a college professor. He's your physics professor, and you're a player, and you stay over there, and I'm gonna stay over here in the suite in the hotel room. But he's a he's the guy that tried to keep Max Bielfeld, who'd done everything possible at Michigan, played hurt, all injuries, graduated with honors, didn't want him to transfer at Indiana. Um, he's the guy that didn't want Spike Albrecht, who'd been through hell and back and delivered Michigan in that great Final Four game He with a great first half. He's the one trying to keep Spike Albrecht from playing at Purdue. Beeline's got some things I don't love, okay? So I'm not a pro. I'm Mr. John Beeline for president guy. That's not me. But he's 68, which I get it's pretty old for, for a, a higher. But he's so good. And what he and I don't know why. I mean, I, I mean he's brilliant. I don't, but I don't know basketball to love like I can look at his offense. I know his offense is more sophisticated than everybody else's. I just don't know why. I just know it is. He would go to IU and within three years be winning so big that two years after that, when he retired at age 72, it would be a top 10 looking job. And then the then you can go get anybody you want. And at that point, Brad Stevens might finally be 30. You can go hire Brad Stevens. Or Tony Bennett might finally be 38. Go hire Tony Bennett in five years. Maybe those guys aren't coming now. After we, Look at what Juwan Howard's doing at Michigan. And I think Howard's really good, okay? I don't mean to insinuate. I'm not insinuating that he couldn't coach without. But look what he's doing. Look what he's building on. People are telling me, well, if Juwan Howard can do this in Michigan, why can't Calvert Cheney do it at IU? First of all, dummies. Juwan Morgan was a highly regarded coach in the NBA for years, A. B, he inherited John Beeline's palace. Calvert Cheney is is getting started in coaching, and the Pacers think he's going to be pretty good, but he's not there yet, A. And B, he's inheriting Archie Moore, Archie Miller's shack. There's a difference here. Why am I so angry? I don't know, but I am. <laughs> I had heard that Cheney was in line for the U of E job, where, of course, he's from and, and formally starred 30 years ago as a high school player, uh, but he flubbed the interview. So they ended up giving it to McCarty, which, of course, ended up being a disaster because of the, the hot water that he got himself into personally. Yeah, and, and listen, that says something. And, and maybe the AD at Evansville is a total idiot. I don't even know who it is. But it does say something. If you're an Evans, if you are the most famous basketball name from Evansville and you can't even get that job, yeah. I don't want to hear IU fans saying he's our guy. Why is he your guy? You don't know anything about him. It's like when when you find out like a name on a recruiting list. IU's offered this guy or this guy or, or Purdue's offered this guy or that guy. And he'll get on Twitter and talk about these players like they know exactly what they don't you wouldn't know him if he slapped you in the face. Don't tell me, oh, we, we're going to get him, and he, he's going to come here, and he's going to be – what do you mean he's going to be this? You don't know if he's even fictional. There was a, a, a case about 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, Tom Lemming. I think it was Tom Lemming. Some, somehow got word of some great recruit and, and made this guy a four-star recruit. Had never seen him, but it kept hearing. The guy wasn't real. People were, were ghosting or spoofing or whatever, catfishing Lemming to see if it would work, and it worked. The guy wasn't even real. And that's what Calvert Cheney's coaching ability is. It's not even real. You don't even know. I don't want to hear about <laughs> Calvert Cheney ever again. Bob Knight did that in the late, I don't know when it was, late 80s, I think, where he made up a guy named Ivan Renko, and um, he didn't exist in Europe. And they even created like a profile for him in one of those recruiting places. And fans were talking about Iv Ivan or Ivan Renko. And that was a famous example of that. Um, let's talk about Purdue. I love their draw, kind of like you do. Um, North Texas apparently is a really good three-point shooting team. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you to say that I know anything about North Texas outside of what I've looked at like 10 minutes ago. 
In my but, story, I hope, because I wrote the award <laughs> thing two to three. But Villanova, um, especially without Colin Gillespie, just A, they aren't the same team. And, and B, the other thing about, and no offense to Nova, um, that league stunk this year. Like, there's a reason. I love Pat Ewing. There's a reason why Georgetown ran to the Big East tournament final. It's because that league stinks. So I, I think Purdue's, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to waltz into the Sweet 16 because I, I know what Purdue's luck is usually like when it comes to their sports history. But I, I don't think you could have asked for a better draw for them, at least immediately in those first two rounds. No, if you're if you're going to be only a five, a four seed, not a one, two, or three, and you're going to get that, I mean, North Texas, North Texas has no chance, okay? They have no chance. And I, I don't know. I'm sure there's numbers out here that, that will say which number five, which 12-5 game is the most likely upset as far as the ESPN brackets. You know, they got a million brackets. They have all the numbers. I guarantee you Winthrop over Villanova is the number one upset on the 12-5 line. I guarantee you because Gillespie's out. Winthrop's record's 23-1. and one. That looks really good. Purdue will beat Winthrop by 30, Okay. And Villanova, Villanova, of the three, Villanova scares me the most if I'm a Purdue guy. They, they scare, Just because they've got the pedigree, they got the coach, yes, they're missing Gillespie. Yet they're not what they should be. I mean, Villanova is clearly wounded, probably mortally so. They might not be Winthrop. But if I'm Purdue, the one game that I'm really studying tape of, the one game I'm really thinking, okay, this is the game we're gonna that scares me before we get to 16 is Nova. Otherwise, they're, if they play North Texas and Winthrop, they're going to win those games by a combined 40. And I think it helps, uh, you know, Baylor hasn't played as well. I know they were undefeated at one point in this season. That's still a really good team. But I, I would much rather have them in my region, obviously, than Gonzaga. And they probably got out of, you know, the Illinois region because of the Big Ten tie-in as well. But, you know, that part of the draw, if we're looking ahead to the Sweet 16 and beyond, you know, I, I also think that their region is not one of the better regions. Um, I, I think, to me, by far, the best region is Illinois. Um, that's, that was, I thought a really, really tough draw for them and a really, really easy draw for Gonzaga, but they ended up earning that draw because they've been so good all year. Fascinating that Gonzaga has beaten the two, three, and four in their region by combined 40 or something. That is fascinating. Um, Baylor is, I mean, Baylor's monstrously good. And yes, they had a COVID shutdown about six weeks ago or something. And, and they haven't come back and lost 12 times, but they've come back and they're not quite the same. We we've seen that they didn't win their league title. Of course the, the big 12 was really good, but. Anyway, um, Baylor's scary. I do think IU. I'm sorry. I do think Purdue has the special sauce to beat Baylor. Um, of course, Purdue has the special sauce. Uh, listen, they got young guys, and the outside shot. We've seen Stavanovich has come and gone. I mean, Jaden Ivey comes will come and go with the three. You just don't know. Kind of like Purdue every year, you don't know. The difference is, and they've always had a big. They've always had Swanigan, Haas, Harm. They've always had a big. They've never had this. I mean, nobody's ever had this. No one's ever had because Trevion Williams is is as productive just about as Biggie Swanigan. I mean, he, he just about is on a minute by minute basis. So they basically have Biggie, basically have that guy. Although this, although Trevion's a much better passer, which probably makes the whole team better because he's you know the whole five is different. The ball goes in Biggie's hands, it's going up. The ball goes in Trevion's hands, every three point shooter's open or better be because he might find you. But then off the bench is Zach Eady. Are you kidding me? Who on a minute by minute basis is every bit as productive as Trevion? Nobody's ever seen this. I don't know that we've seen this in the last 20 years, 15 years of college basketball anywhere because the, the emphasis is so small. And small does work, but Lord knows you don't want to be the team playing that big team because you can't match up with them. So if Purdue's hitting threes, you know, I'm not going to be an idiot and say they're a national championship team, but I will say this, that um, 
USA Today had five or six of us around the country fill out brackets the night of the, I mean, a lot more than that, but I, I was one of the five or six that filled it out that night, Sunday night. And I've got Purdue in the championship game. I just kept seeing games like, well, they're going to win that one. Well, they're going to win that one. And I think I've got them losing to Illinois in the championship game. Um, and I was a Big Ten homer because I saw all these teams. I know how good they are. I think I got every Big Ten team, team, team winning somewhere. But I got Purdue in the championship game. That's how strongly I believe in Purdue this year. And next year, watch out. Yeah, next year. I, that's what's so great about this year, Greg, is that even if they get beaten, let's say the Sweet 16, who cares? Because uh, to me, it's, it's all gravy. Uh, because next year is supposed to be the big year for them. And they've got one me. guy. Sorry, but they've got one guy. They got one guy who might leave early. One guy. And that's Jaden Ivey. And I hope he's not. He's not ready. He can't shoot yet. I mean, he, he doesn't need to go. But they've got one guy. Pro, and that's Jaden Ivey. Because Jaden Ivey is, is a kind of athlete. And I've not even seen this in mock drafts. Maybe I'm speaking wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe no one's even got him in the top 100. But I look at Jaden Ivey, the way he moves – the way he can defend, the way he does everything but shoot, and he's got a nice-looking stroke that'll get better. He's the one guy that I can see. I mean, if he leaves, I'm like, oh, you know, okay, he's he's pretty damn good. No one else even has the has the has the right to even enter the draft. We're taping this on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and um, I was worried about saying anything, especially because we usually tape on Tuesday about the opening of free agency. But I'm not surprised that the Colts haven't been active. Um, I was a little surprised that they let Danico Autry walk out the door because I really thought at the end of the day that he was going to be a big priority for them to resign and they'd lock him in, and they obviously didn't. But um, any of this surprise you so far with how their uh, Chris Ballard and company are playing this? I mean, Danico Autry is going to be—he's going to be 31 next year. You don't. Ballard doesn't give that kind of money to people that old. I mean, you give a multi-year contract to Danico Autry. I think with Danico Autry, what they did was, I think they played that perfectly. I think we're going to see that, that they got him on the cheap, milked the best couple, three years or whatever they had out of him. Kind of like Belichick has made a career out of New England. He gets guys, rings out the last little bit, and then and he lets them go. And you're like, why is he letting that guy go? That guy can still play, and that guy goes somewhere else and can't play anymore. And I'm not saying Ballard does that with everybody. But I'm saying specifically, Danico Autry, I think that's what we're seeing here is, is he, he's got paid, good for him. He's not worth it, not at that age, not with, not with his future. You can't, I mean, he's earned it with the past. Well, he hadn't got a, a single sack with the Titans. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll watch him twice a year up close and in person. Problem is, is that what do they have? They don't really have anything at, at pass rush. You know what I mean? They, they, Houston's a free agent. Autry's now gone. Kamoko Ture, they've been waiting on for years to stay healthy. And while he's flashed, he, A, hasn't done it consistently, and B, really hasn't been healthy to do it consistently. So that, that's what concerns me, Greg, more than anything else, is that, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. There's a chance that Autry's best days are behind him. But, you know, the Colts' window is right now. Yeah, but you don't overpay for any one position when you've got as many. It's weird. I mean, on the one hand, the Colts are, have a great roster, and there's a, there's a reason why quarterbacks – should have wanted to come here. Um, there's a reason why people say that's a Super Bowl kind of roster. But there's also a reason people say, but they've got the biggest spots in the roster. they got holes. I mean, they're, it's a very unique roster. They're like jobs forty jobs number four through 53, they're better than everybody. But it's, it's positions one, two, and three. QB, you know, pass rusher, elite receiver, whatever. They're, they're not there. But they can't overpay for anybody because they got they got to get a tackle. They got to get this. They got to get that. So they just can't afford to give Danico Autry that kind of money. He's not worth it because they they got the draft still. They got the draft and Ballard's great at the draft and I think it'll work out. 
Um, and even if it doesn't, I see the logic behind what they're doing. I keep seeing that the wide receiver market is nothing right now. And a lot of that, I believe, has to do with uh, people are saying this is, again, another deep and talented wide receiver draft. Feels like every draft is a deep and talented wide receiver draft, at least recently. Well, you know um, why that is? It, why? Because the college game has turned into the pro game passing. It, <laughs> yeah. no, it no, used right. to be yeah. a college team would have one yeah. great receiver, and that was it. Now, in, I mean, now in high school, they're going five wide. And the and what is the most com- there's a reason why in the UFC the most the deepest weight classes are lightweight and welterweight. That's because most human beings fit in that range. There's a reason why now all of a sudden you're seeing the best receivers ever because most people are that size and everybody's throwing the ball in high school. So anyway, they're gonna it's gonna be a deep class every year. This is there's nothing fluky about any of this. I do think a lot of it too is that if you have somebody who is really, really gifted athletically on the high school or college level and you don't have a place for them, like let's say you recruited him as a cornerback or a safety, then you're probably just like, ah, let's throw him at receiver. You know what I mean? Like that just feels like to be the catch-all position. Can they, can they run really fast? And can you can always teach him how to run routes and all of that. Um, but I do wonder if that's going to change how the Colts approach Hilton. But to, to me, Greg, I, I don't think Hilton – I don't think he's ever going to say this because he doesn't want to burn the bridge or anything, but I, I don't think Hilton is wanting to stay. I, I think he wants to go somewhere else and a get paid, but also b start anew. You know, if he gets paid much at all, I'll be surprised by anybody. He has a very clear trajectory. I mean, a very clear diagram chart of where he's going. And it's not just, yeah, well, Jacoby was a quarterback or this, it's not just that he just, TJ, I'm sorry, uh, T.Y. has given, I mean, he gave his best years to the Colts. He did. He took a pounding, and it's always been lower leg stuff and hamstring, too. I'm sure he's lost a half step. I'm sure he has. I don't know. You can't be as injured as he's been over the years and not lose something, especially with your ankles. You just, I mean, you, you can't help it. And at his size, if he doesn't have every bit of explosion that he had when he was 22, he, I, I'm not even sure, you know, people talk about he's going to get one more big payday and it won't be the Colts. He's not going to get a big payday. I mean, he's going to get paid. It's going to be bigger than anything I'm ever going to make. But it's not going to be a, whoa, look at that. He's not going to get Danico Autry money. Yeah, we haven't really seen those big deals uh, being thrown around. And I think a lot of it has to do with the post-COVID climate with where people are, where these teams are even financially. Um, One last thing I wanted to add, and I actually didn't have this in the rundown, but it just popped into my head shortly before we started our taping. Um, Karis LeVert came back for the Pacers. It just, Greg, it feels like, I don't know how you are about this because I, I think you have to, you know, Indianapolis fans really well. So you know what pops and what doesn't. But to me, like I have to force myself to be engaged and interested in this year's Pacers. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be a jerk or to be mean or anything like that. Like, I, I just feel like the Pacers this year, even with Levert coming back, like I can't get excited about this team. I just can't. Well, they've had everything go against them. Um, including including they started the year with a guy, Old Depot, that we all kind of thought we knew was gone and what you know mentally was gone from here, didn't want to be here. And it's hard to buy into a team when you know the guy that they've been building around is probably gone. And now, of course, in hindsight, we know he's gone, but we all thought he was gone back then. That's hard. It's hard when, when two or three of your best players have been hurt from day one. TJ's been hurt. Warren's been hurt from day one. Old Depot, we didn't know about. And, and obviously um, – Levert had traded for, couldn't play. I mean, it's just been hard. And then they can't be on TV. We all know that whole story. They're not on streaming things. Most of us are streaming. We can't watch them. They've just had everything go against them. Um, 
And I got, and I, I don't really have a lot of patience. I guess I have patience for, but I, I don't really, I can't agree with people that tell me that it's time to bail on this or bail on that, or I, I'm so mad at the patient, I'm so disgusted by blah, blah, blah. They haven't had a shot. You know, they, they've had all these injuries, I mean, all these injuries and with a new coach. They're just this year, I'm describing this as a redshirt year. It's just a redshirt year. And I don't know if that means trading Miles Turner to maybe get draft picks or whatever if they can. I don't know. Uh, but it's just a redshirt year. I can't get worked up in any direction about the Pacers because it's just not happened for them. Well, and it's not it's not this current team's fault, Greg, but the problem is is that fans have had to sit through now five redshirt years. You know, that's why the frustration is there. Like, there's no reason to give up on this particular team, but the Pacers, even though the names and faces have changed, have basically been the same team for the last five years, and I think that's where people get frustrated and it's coming to a head, and they, they don't want to be patient anymore. Well... The, the Paul George broken leg year where he missed all but the last six games, that was a redshirt year. Um, and, you know, Oladipo missed, I guess, a year and a half ago, whenever that was. That was a redshirt half year. Um, but the other years, they've had full rosters. They've just been kind of slightly above average. And that's, that, that's not the sexiest thing ever. It's what they've been. This is a redshirt year. I, this is a whole different kind of redshirt year. They've been – there were several games they, – they, they have a great starting five on paper. And, and there were several games where they – I mean, in a row where they had two of them. And most of their games, they've had three of them. Only now do they have four, but Levert's coming off what he's coming off. And I just, I just, it just, I have sympathy for the Pacers. I just, and I, I get that people are tired of it and it's been five years and this and that. But every team is a unique little creature and this unique creature never had a chance. We've got Purdue. So I know you're going to be writing about that coming up in the NCAA tournament whenever the Indiana job deal happens whenever that is of course you're going to be on top of that too anything else that you've got in the works coming up for this week yeah you don't know about this but um and it's not official yet but i'm i think i'm going to spend saturday you know the obviously the tournaments here in town and all over central indiana on saturday there's games that i think it's the at i at farmer's market calls at fairgrounds at hinkle and at banker's life i think there's three games like starting saturday at noon 12 30 and one something like that and i think i think i'm going to take in those three games with mayor hogsett just oh, going wow. from place to place. Just what's it like to be with the mayor as his city has this explosion and he's going to go from place to place and I'm going to try and tag along. That's, I think that's in the works. And, you know, if it never happens, uh, Clark Wade, do your magic and delete this thing later. But um, I, that's what's in the works <laughs> right now. Looking forward to it. IndyStar.com. That's where you can go to subscribe, not only to Greg, but all of their talented writers. Um, all the best, not only sports coverage, but just coverage of our great city. Are you, and, are you and Jake doing anything different, more, less, whatever, because of, the, of, of March Madness? We have a, we're actually doing a live remote um, at a card shop on 96th Street on Friday while the games are going on. They have TVs in there. It's a converted restaurant, so it's a big space because we were worried about like distancing and all of that because we're not, of course, completely out of the woods with this COVID stuff. So we're going to do that kind of a special edition um, of the show. But the, the problem for me, media-wise, I mean, I could probably make some phone calls, but because on a full-time basis, I don't cover the teams anymore. I do so on a freelance basis. I, I just kind of felt like credentials wise, I was like, eh, I'm not yeah. going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get back on that train here pretty soon, but not, oh, for not sure. For but sort of, yeah. Where are you and Schultz doing your thing? I'm um, you and query doing your thing on 96 Indy cards, Indy card exchange. Um, okay. so 96 and 69, basically up by the Sam's club. It's in that strip over there. Um, and it, right. it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Live show then. And then every Tuesday, ISC Sportsnet and ISC sports You can catch us out. I appreciate the retweet the other day, by the way, we sent a, we set a views record because the Greg Doyle retweeted query and Schultz. So 
Appreciate it. Hey, Woj has got his Woj bomb. I've got my Doyle bomb. My Doyle bomb is more like a firecracker. It just kind of goes pop. (laughs) And we'll see you, of course, next week for another edition of Doyle Derek. Until then, Greg, enjoy the madness, my man. My man. See you.